expensive. But he wanted, he had a birthday coming and he was reminding his mom every morning he'd come down and show her that picture. Said, Mom, my birthday's coming. Boy, this is the greatest bicycle. This is the latest model. And she said, well, son, you just need to pray about that. So he went upstairs to his room and all of a sudden she heard this awful noise and he was just screaming from the top of his lungs. And she said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm asking the Lord. You said, pray about it. And she said, well, the Lord's not death. He said, death. But he said, I know, but Grandma is. Well, children know. They know They know where it comes from. They know the answer. I know that uh, through the years, our grandchildren, they love them, the magazines and books and Christmas books that came through with all the pictures in them. They sat there and daydream and daydream and daydream of what they're going to get. But you know what? God is good about taking care of our needs. In the 14th chapter of the book of Matthew, there's an interesting uh portion of Scripture there, and I've preached it many different ways, but I want to take it a little differently this morning because I want to talk about the power and the name of Jesus. you ever stop to think about that? You know, Jesus said over and over in the Scripture, if you pray in my name and ask. And so many times when we see in the Scripture where they prayed and they sought They sought through the name of Jesus, through the Son of God, through the Savior of the world. And so I want to share with you from the 14th chapter, I want to drop down to verse number 22. Let me just paraphrase a little bit. One night Jesus and his, uh, he came to his disciples as they were sailing across the Sea of Galilee. I've been on that sea and it's a very beautiful place. And the day I was there, the sun was shining and the waters were smooth. You could almost see yourself as you looked over the side of the boat. But on this night, the winds begin to blow. And the Bible says they were sailing and the winds were blowing against them so that they were making very little progress. I only ever been on a boat and couldn't make progress. I remember going to, up to Erie with a bunch of guys from the church on a fishing trip. And we get out there on that boat and uh, we started out and we get out about a hundred yards and a wave came and pushed us back 125. I mean, it's awful. I mean, you can get deathly sick. You can, you can have difficulty getting beyond that. And so I can understand a little bit about what these disciples were experiencing. They were, they were trained fishermen. They knew. So you knew that that had to have been a bad storm. The storm was boisterous against it. And long about the fourth hour of the night, Jesus came. Now, he didn't come. But notice the Scripture, they were afraid when they saw Him walking on the water. I can understand why you would be. Jesus came walking on the water and they cried out with fear. But Jesus said unto them, Be of good cheer, for it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said, Lord, if it be you, let me come down onto the water with you. And Jesus replied, Come. And when Peter stepped out of the boat down onto to the water, he walked on water towards Jesus. I want you to notice that. Peter walked on the water like Jesus walked. But then the Bible says in a few moments, I don't know how far he got, he kept his eyes on Jesus walking towards him, and then he began maybe to look back to say, Look at me. 
And when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. And when he began to sink, notice that the words that he came up with, Peter saw the wind and the high waves and was afraid and began to sink, and he cried, Save me, Lord! Save me! And the Bible says, immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. I want you to catch that. You see, sometimes in the midst of trouble, when we cry to Jesus, He reaches out His hand and He catches us. He gets a hold of us. Peter discovered on this fearful night that this is his only hope for survival on that stormy sea. The only hope that Peter had was that when he would look steadfastly with faith unto Jesus, it is imperative, church, that we learn to look to Jesus. We in the church today need to look to Jesus. He is our only hope of survival. He is our only hope, my friend, in this life as well as in the life to come. So I think and I believe that in the church we need to teach people to look to Jesus. You know, we had this model, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? How would Jesus act? But I'm saying not just ask those questions, but simply have people to learn to look to Jesus. Little children should be brought up to look to Jesus. This little statue down here has Jesus with two little children. He's got them there. I'm sure it's representing part of that scripture that you find in Mark 10. But you know what? I believe that little children should learn to look to Jesus. The church perhaps has made its greatest danger, it, it, it has probably its greatest mistake in failing to teach children to look to Jesus. We spend money in every other area, but, but what about teaching them to look and to trust that Jesus will help them with everything in life? Just as a little boy that I said was praying for. Mark 10 tells us of a group of women who brought their children to Jesus that He might bless them. But notice the disciples objected to it. The Bible says in the 10th chapter of the book of Mark that the disciples objected, but Christ said, suffer them or let them, or, or the other word would be, encourage these little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Children need to know. You know what? We inspire, you and I inspire our children to do a lot of things. We live in an age when people, it's not unusual for them to encourage their children to get an education, to take certain courses while they're in high school and in college, because we want our children to be doctors, and we want them to be nurses, and we want them to be statesmen, and we want them to be sportsmen. But what about wanting them to be Christian serving Christ as pastors and leaders and music ministers and youth ministers, why do we always want our children to attack everything else except that? I want you to know today that we need to inspire our children. We need to look for them, the calling upon their lives. I can give you a personal example of that. My wife and I, the first child, when we went to the doctor and found that Beverly was going to have a baby, we were excited. We were elated. But we went home from that doctor's office 
And we made our way to our bedroom and we got down on our knees and we prayed and said, God, whatever child that You are giving to us, we pray if we give him to You that You will anoint him and make him whatever You could use him to be. I want you to know that God answered that prayer. Because here He is today as a young man dedicated to God, living for the Lord, pastoring a church, preaching revivals and camp meetings and singing all over the country. Why? I don't think it came by accident. I think it came because we were serious enough to say, God, anoint this child to be something. And you know what? It's very scriptural. The Swagger family wasn't the first one to ever do that. You see, the Bible tells us that Hannah, like us, gave her son before he was born, Samuel, to the Lord. And the Bible says that when she gave him to the Lord and asked God to bless him, he became one of the great prophets. Why? Because Hannah was willing to give her son to the Lord. You know what? Moses, think about this. Moses, at the risk of death, You see, there was a decree that went out in that time that every male child was to be done away with. But you notice Moses' mother at the risk of death kept her son Moses and dedicated him to God rather than destroy him as Pharaoh had commanded. Where would we be? Where would history be today if it were not for people who took those kind of chances? See, I think about the Wesleys. We know the Wesleyan church. We know the Methodist church. We know all of these came. That that all began way back there with a mother, with a heart, with a mother that loved her children, that loved the Lord. It was Susanna Wesley who gave her sons John and Charles to God. And we know the results of their lives. We know what happened. You see, even in the time, through their lives, it was not always easy. There was a time in the Wesley family when all the children were at home and, and the, and the fire, house caught on fire and they begin to get out in the middle of the night. And she began to count her children. She had several of them. And there was one that was missing. His name was Johnny. He was in the upstairs asleep. And when they begin to see the smoke begin to roar, and she counted, and she said, My son Johnny, he's not here. Somebody find him. And finally they looked, and there he had wakened and was standing at the upstairs window. And a couple of firemen came, and one jumped on the shoulder of the other and reached up and brought little Johnny down and set him down to safety. Why? Because God had anointed Johnny from birth. And he became the great preacher, John Wesley. Let me tell you something. There's something about teaching our children about knowing who Jesus is and the power that He has in His life. We need to do that in the life of the church. We need to look to the Lord in the midst of our present chaos of this world with so much unrest in many parts of the earth. And we see much wrong with us, blessed America. But I want you to know that the Master, Jesus, comes today to the church and to Christians and tells us, just as He did to the disciples centuries ago, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Oh, there's a lot that goes on in this world. There's lots of things that can happen. And I hear people say all the time, well, you know what, there's going to come a day when the church is not going to have the freedom that it has and preachers are worried about what they can say and what they can't say, what you can preach and what you can't preach. Let me tell you one thing, my friend. I'm of good cheer. I'm going to preach what that book says, what Jesus said, in spite of what the world does, because Jesus promised He'd take care of me. You know what? He comes like Peter cried out, 
in the lack of faith and fear. Master, bid me to come. And He says to Peter, come. You know what? He says to us, come today. But you know what I see the problem is? Many times in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the things that are coming in on us, in the times when it seems like the battle's the hottest, when, when it looks like we're about ready to go down, when Jesus says, believe me, trust me, come, we stand paralyzed. We stand paralyzed with fear as the blowing, howling storms beat against us and the boasters' winds roar against us. Many times, even as Christians, we stand paralyzed. Yet, there is one one way out of the situation. There was only one way that Peter could get out of that situation. He had already stepped out of the boat. He was already on the water. There was only one way for Peter to get out of that situation, and that was to immediately put his eyes back on Jesus and said, You said, Come. And he reached out his hand, and as he did, Jesus reached out his. And you know the amazing thing was? They walked together on the water. You know the situation you're in? When you trust Jesus, when you put it in His hand, and you let Him walk with you, let me tell you, you'll walk through things you never thought you could get through. You'll walk, my friend, through difficulties and challenges. My friend, yet there is only one way out. One way out of the economic problems that we have, my friend. And Jesus is the answer. Oh, I've had people all the time. For many years, you know, I thought about someone that's familiar to us that we know that had a great business and thing great, did great, but I can, I can remember when he come to a certain point in the business, they wanted to advance the business and make it bigger and bigger, and, and he said, like, the Lord's blessed us in this business, and, and you know what, I don't think we need to go any different, and so he said, I'll tell you what, just buy me out. And the family was willing to buy him out because they said he gave too much money away anyway. He was forever given to everything that the church asked for. He was forever supporting things that they didn't believe. And so they decided to, to get him out. But you know what? The business didn't last but about six or seven years and it went bottomed up. You see, the one that saved was the one that kept his eyes on Jesus. He knew what Jesus was doing. Let me tell you something. The only way out of your economic problem is Jesus. There's only one way out of discouragement. If you're discouraged this morning, don't look for, for winning. Uh, you know, uh, I, I get so tired of standing in a gas station in line. I mean, I stand in a gas station in line and give them a 30 or $40 and say, put that on pump seven. And now I've waited five people to get the money on the pump, and now I'm out pumping, and it only took $26. Now I've got to go back and wait in the same line. Now you know what the line's for? Not for gasoline. It's for lottery tickets. You see, my friend, you're, you'll never get rich on lottery tickets. I mean, that's the reason why there's so much in that lottery, because all these foolish people that's out there paying all this money, thinking, let me tell you something, there's only one way out, and that's the way out is through Jesus. One way out of your discouragement. Only one way out of drug uh, problems and alcohol problems. Jesus is the answer. And you know what? We have all these programs that goes on. I hear people say, you know what? I believe that when you come to Jesus with a drug problem, and you mean business with Him and you give your heart and your life to Him at that altar, and you mean business in your commitment, I'm going to tell you, He'll take away that desire. And you can walk out of here not being a drug addict, not being an alcoholic. I hear people say all the time, I haven't drank for 20 years, but I'm still an alcoholic. Let me tell you something. When you come to Jesus, you get clean from being an alcoholic. <laughs> because when He takes care of it, it's gone. It's gone. There's only one way out of those problems. Only one way out of moral failure.
And that's to come to Jesus and admit that you've been brought in by the devil and the devil's going to get out of you and you're going to get free and God's going to make you a new person and give you a new name and a new attitude and a new reputation in town. Only one way to get out of that moral failure. There's only one way and that's to look to Jesus. Let me tell you something. America needs to turn to Jesus today. The answer to all of our problems is not in Washington, D.C. We've got more problems than we ever had. It's not in Columbus, Ohio. It's not even in, in the city, my friend. The, the way that America is going to find itself is when they come back to Jesus. Well, children need to be taught about Jesus. You know what I think? A second thing, I think the church needs to look to Jesus. The church in many places is barren. The church in many places, is, let me tell you something, has lost its life. It's lost its uh, fruit. It, you, you don't hear the fruit being produced in the church that you one time did. You see, the church, my friend, needs to look to Jesus. It struggles in many places in, in the dust of defeat. The church has become too apologetic. If it's the Word, my friend, we don't have to apologize for it. I don't have to apologize for my Father because my Father is Jesus Christ. I don't need, he don't need no apologies. Let me tell you something, we don't need to be backward. We don't, we become too fearful. It has been, it is, the church has become anemic. We've lost the power of the blood. You don't hear much preached about the blood anymore. The song this morning that we sang talked about it. You see, the blood is red, but when it cleanses you, it makes you white. That's the miracle of the whole thing. But you know what? We need to realize the church still has power when it stays with the message of the blood of Jesus Christ. It still has power to save. It has, still has power to deliver when we come to the place to where we are. But you see, we've lost that in many places. I want to tell you, the church needs a blood transfusion because it's a secret weapons of prayer has been stolen by our enemies. Think about that. The church at one time would hold prayer meetings when they had somebody that was very much in need, where a family was sick, or there was a disease taking over, or someone had an ailment that needed to be... They would call for the elders of the church, and they would come sometimes on an off night, and they would spend a day, they'd spend the evening, they'd spend the time praying, and God would bring healing. The reason you don't see a lot of healing today is because a lot of people, they know that it's, it's a possible, but they don't believe it. You see, we know there's a lot of people that are unsaved. We know there's a lot of junk that goes on in this world that we're not happy with. But what do we do besides talk about it? Why, why we have, the devil has caused us to lose the greatest power we have, the power of prayer. The Bible says we're two or more gathered together in his, in the midst of them will be him. Jesus will help us. We've lost, my friend, the, the greatest part that we have. It's no secret weapon that we have is prayer. It's been separated, my friend, from the base of its supply. You see, we don't hear much about the Spirit of God leading us. We begin to look. And I, I think about this. And people say, well, we're looking for another Sunday school teacher. We're looking for a new pastor. We're looking for somebody that can, can do the things in the church. Instead of, instead of realizing that the church is put together by the Holy Spirit, and we need to pray in the Spirit, God, lay it upon someone's heart. Lay it upon them to realize that, God, You're moving upon them, and they need to be the one that needs to be used. And when they come, Great things will happen. You see, we've lost the base of our supply, the Holy Spirit. It has lost its purpose. 
Its lifeline has been severed. And the church, my friend, in many places has forgotten its sacred mission. You know, we hear all the time people talking about, I listen to people week after week. When I leave here, I don't shut my door and just sit in a chair. I'd like to sometimes, but I don't. My wife won't let me. You gotta keep moving. But you know what? I meet people everywhere. And all I hear about, I, I, I haven't heard, I'm, I'm being honest with you, in the last year I have not heard one pastor tell me about a great moving of God in their church where somebody got saved or somebody that had, had difficulty had got delivered. All they talk about is, oh, we just had a wonderful service. Preacher was, he was, he just was so marvelous. He, he, when he preached, he just made me feel so comfortable and so warm and well. Let me tell you something. My wife got a blanket at home my daughter bought you. You can crawl up in that thing and you feel like you've been smothered in a, in a furnace. You see, you don't, you can get it from a furnace. You don't, you don't have to get it at church. You see, what I'm talking about today is, is that we need to realize that we have lost our mission. It's, it has fortified its reason for existence. It sold its soul and traded its birthright and betrayed to the Lord the church that was created to be a fellowship of the saints. That's what the church is all about. The work that is done is not always done right in these walls. We come here to fellowship together as the saints of God, to encourage one another, to become cheerleaders of one another. To become backers of one another. That we can go out there and become the church. And become the church and be a part of the church. You see, many places, their church has become nothing more than an avowed club of vowed sinners. The church that was born, my friend, to redeem men and women has ceased to believe in its Redeemer. That's a shame. But it's a fact. It ceased to live. What are the, its existence, my friend, was created. You know why God sent the church on earth? He sent it to preach the Word, the good news. That's our job. Our job is to preach the Word, to preach the good news of the Gospel to the lost. The church has forgotten the good news. So it had nothing to preach. They, don't, they haven't experienced the good news in a long time. And so, what, what do they preach about? Let me tell you something. The greatest thing that can happen is when, when the good news is preached and great things are happening in the church. The church has been created to be our Savior and the Lord to become, instead of the church, people coming to church to be edified by God and excited about God, we seem to have lost that and we're more self-satisfied. We're satisfied with who we are and what we do and how we do it. The church born from sacrifice. The church that was born for service. The church was born for spirituality has become, my friend, a place of convenience and personal gain rather than winning the loss for Jesus Christ. The church built as a dwelling place for God has become a habitation for non-believers. People don't feel uncomfortable coming to church anymore. You know, they, they, they don't feel uncomfortable because they say, well, no, nobody's ever going to think about who we are. But you know, you know how you feel uncomfortable is when, when you know somebody is unsaved. I'll tell you what. I was just a young boy. I know there was saints in the church that prayed for me. They thought I was the awfulest young kid they ever seen. That boy needs, that stalker boy needs to get saved. 
And you know what? Many a times at the altar, at the end of a service, they'd line that altar, the saints. I mean the saints. I mean people that knew God that could get through to God. And they'd, they'd kneel at that altar and they'd weep and, and, and cry and pray to God. God somehow spared these young people's lives, spare this boy's life, spare this woman's life, spare them, Lord. Don't let them die in the situation they're in. We want them to go to heaven. And so they pray and they pray and they pray and that the Holy Spirit would deal with their hearts. You see, that's what we need in the church. When you come to church, it's not a matter of coming and be entertained and enjoy. Oh, we ought to enjoy a few things, but you know what? But, but we ought to realize that we're here for one thing. You see, it's kind of like a job. You go to work. That shop's sometimes hard. If, if, if you're a plumber like Dick. It's tough getting under them sinks every day. It's tough getting down in there and dirty. But you know what? You do it because you know at the end of the week there's a paycheck coming. You see, that's what we need to be in the church. We need to realize that sometimes things are not easy for us. But there's a payday coming, church. There's a day coming when Jesus will say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. It's work. But the church was built for more than what we make it for today. I'm going to tell you something. We, the church, need to look to Jesus. A lost, sinful world needs Jesus today. Our world will never see peace. The Bible teaches that. We're not going to see. You've got to get the peace in your heart. Forget about the peace out there. As long as you've got peace in here, it makes no difference. You see, because we know that this is not our home. We're just kind of passing through. Isaiah said, Behold your God. Behold your God. When he was talking to the people that were discouraged, when they were looking at all different directions, Isaiah kept reminding them, Behold your God. Behold the God that did this. Behold the God that performed the miracles. Before, look at the God that, that brought you out of the land of, of Egypt and out of, out of the land of bondage. Behold your God. Let me tell you something. We need to behold our God today. The one that has saved us, the one that's sanctified us, the one that's cleansed us, the one that's healed us, the one that's taken care of us. We need today. A lost world needs to look to Jesus. These words of the prophet were never more needed than they are today. Our lost and sinful, hardened, calloused world needs to see the face of Jesus. You know how they're going to see Jesus? Apostle Paul said one time when he was preaching along, people began to wonder what, what he was doing and where he was going, and Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. You know what? You don't hear much about that anymore. People say, well, I, I'm human. Just don't, don't, don't. Let me tell you something. It, I want people to follow me, and if I'm, if I'm getting off track, I want them to tell me, hey, hey, is that, are you sure that's not a shortcut path? You, you sure we ought not to stay over here? You know, sometimes we need that. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's what Jesus was saying to his disciples. That's what he said that day to Peter as he walked out of that boat. He put his eyes upon Jesus and Jesus said, Come! In that moment, he stepped out by faith. Not thinking. He, he's saying, Wow! I know what this Jesus has done. I've seen what He's done. And I want to keep a hold of Him. I want Him to stay with me. Because you know what? He knew what it was in the past. So Peter stepped out and he took Christ's hand. 
I'm telling you for a few moments, Peter thought, man, this is amazing. This is the most wonderful thing I, anybody could ever experience. And he got so carried away in it, and then all of a sudden as he went to turn, he must have lost the hand of Jesus. Because <laughs> there he was walking, he began to sink. But thank God he knew where to go back to. What I'm saying this morning is that some of you have had the experience. You've stepped out at one time. You knelt at an altar. You gave your heart to Christ. You walked with Him. But along the way, the devil has kind of swept you along until today you're not sure whether you're with Him or you're not. I'm saying to you this morning that Jesus is saying to you, Come. Come. Take my hand. I'll lead you home. What the world needs today is deeper prayer and a commitment from the church that can help the world. Hear me, my friends. We all need to look to Jesus. And in order to do that, you've got to quit looking down all the time. You need to look up. You need to look up high, above your sorrows, above your despair, above your discouragement. Look up in the midst of that. He is the changing unchanging God in the midst of all that's going on. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the magnificent among the ruin. He is the eternal amid the, uh, the finite. He is the great God, the everlasting Father, the eternal Savior. He is ours today. But we have to reach out to Him. Today, right now, we need to look to Jesus for your every need. I don't know what your need is. I don't know what you came into this service carrying along with you today. I don't know what took place last week. I don't know what you're going to face in the days and of next week is coming on. But I want you to know one thing. As you go through the storms of life, reach out and take the hand of Jesus and He will walk you through that storm. He'll walk with you. He'll get you safe to the other side. But you see, sometimes we fail in the storm. The storms are around us. This past summer, we've seen a lot of them. And they come up quickly, just like they do in life. The things that you think you've had on to, and you're doing great, and I'm doing wonderful, and all of a sudden, one phone call can change the whole thing. One second in the wrong look can change the whole thing. What you need to do today is realize, when you sink, when you're failing, just look to Jesus. When you have a need, just look to Jesus. At the name of Jesus, great and mighty things happen. Today, He'll meet that need for you. And we're going to give you that opportunity. Let's stand together. Father, this morning, what a powerful name. What a magnificent Savior. What a, what a, what a Savior that has has cleansed us and saved us and helped us and healed us. And today, Lord, we're so thankful that You're still here. You have not left us. Oh, God, help us to be the church that sees that Jesus is still the head and that Jesus is still able to do the magnificent, the mighty, the powerful in every life that will call upon His name. Father, speak to hearts and lives this morning. And let them simply call on the name of Jesus. For every one who call upon the name of the Lord, in faith 
believing and trusting will be saved in the midst of that storm. Father, help them right now to make that move as we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come as we sing?